Welcome to Millennial Money Minutes, where we tackle tough personal finance topics in five minutes or less. With your host, Grant from MillennialMoney.com and Matt from DistilledDollar.com. Hey everyone, we're super excited today. We have Julie from MillennialBoss.com. Julie is a fire blogger, personal finance blogger, who uh, really is just blowing up the internet. Um, One of the things that initially attracted us to her specifically is that you know, a lot of uh, personal finance bloggers write about frugality, but uh, you know, Julie writes a lot about how to really maximize your value and how she's increased her salary uh, and you know, downsized her home, and especially uh, some of the challenges of ultimately living uh, in 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 the Bay Area. So, Julie, we're super uh, super happy to have you. I'm so pumped to be on the show. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself and about your blog. Sure. So I write at millennialboss.com, and the blog is kind of a mix of early retirement and career hacking. A big way I was able to speed up my path to early retirement is by hacking my career. So since 2011, I've increased my income over 600%. So the focus of the blog is on exactly how I did that and how I took the career moves that I did. Um, And I'm not really retired yet. I'm on the way. So you work in tech, right? Yep, I work in tech. Yeah, so so to take us back to 2011, you know what, you know what was your situation like? What 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 drove you to kind of go for increasing your income? What was that? Why was that such a big focus for you? Well, I graduated from college with a liberal arts degree, and I I approach college like someone who's changing the channels on their TV or Netflix or whatever. So whatever class I wanted to take, I just took. There was no plan, um, and really no direction. And then I I kept hearing about other people in my grade who got these great jobs. Like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so got this big job. They're making $90,000 a year. And I never really connected how to go about getting those jobs. It, it made no sense to me at the time. So I moved back in with my parents and I went to a good school. I'd gotten good grades my whole life. I just didn't really have the practical skills of, of how to go about hacking your career. Um, so one day I... I learned about blogging and I created my own study abroad blog and I became super interested in in websites and started expanding my skill set to include um, SEO and WordPress and and some other things. Um, And then during the day, I ended up getting a job as a legal assistant just to sort of um, hopefully work my way out of living in my parents' house. And um, from there, I ended up scrapping my entire resume previously and started expanding my skill set and got a little bit more technical. Um, and then I ended up getting an internship at the U.S. Olympic Committee, and I lived at the Olympic Training Center, which was a really cool experience. And then from there, I became a little bit more technical. And then I realized tech is the industry to be in. If, if my goal is to make, make money and to um, save as much money as I can and pay off my debt, then I, that's the industry I need to be in. So um, I've sort of you know, worked my way up the career ladder since then. So a lot of these uh, salary increases, were they at one company kind of trying to find out how to you know, hack your boss or was it hopping from company to company or what was, the, what was the strategy there? So I did a little bit of both. So I got my first 
big girl job in tech, I would say. And it wasn't working for a tech company. It was working for a financial services company. And from there, um, the benefit of working for a big company is that you have tons of opportunities to network and grow. And that was something that I had learned because I'd worked at small nonprofits and um, maybe less than 50 people companies prior. So I was in a big company and I took advantage of it. Um, and then I was I moved up the career chain in my role and I was promoted. Um, I got an opportunity to manage a very large team. And then from there, I attended every networking opportunity possible. I, I signed up for um, women in technology events because I wanted to get into a tech company. And I ended up meeting someone who works um, at a big tech company out in the San Francisco area. And I was able to land a job through that. Um, and I pursued my master's online at nights, so I would have credibility in the industry. So, um, like, I, I guess with this master's as an example, I mean, once you build up the credibility, then you know, what was the next step? How did you approach your boss, or you know, how did you go about like the minutia detail of you know going after a, a higher pay? Um, so, with my boss, um, I I chose to work for a boss who. I knew would go to bat for me, and it's really hard to tell that from an interview, but I think who your boss is is the, the biggest determining factor in what opportunities that you'll have. So if you're out there and you're in a job right now and you don't think you have that kind of boss, and it's someone that doesn't really ask you about your career um, opportunities or, or your wants and where you see yourself not only in this position, then uh, it's going to be really hard to get that person to advocate on your behalf. So um, I would say seek, seek bosses and seek opportunities to work for people that you've seen help other people or who say that's one of the favorite parts about managing people. Um, but one, one of the ways that I used my degree to get the next opportunity was by Googling um, conferences that I could attend and scholarships for specifically for women in technology. And it doesn't have to be, um, if you're not a woman, then there, there are opportunities out there for you, but just find some type of networking and community group. And I went to that conference and talked to everybody from people on the bus to people in the career booths and was a hundred times friendlier than I usually am. <laughs> um, that's something I've learned in my career too. I mean, sometimes you just want to get your coffee and sit down at your desk and not talk to anybody, but that's not going to help you if you want to hack your career. So tell us a little bit. Um, so you've managed people. Um, what what have you learned being uh, being a boss yourself? Um, the hardest thing about being a boss yourself is that you know from your previous experiences that there have been times that you've been angry or upset with your boss, and then you know that the people that you're managing, there are times where they're not going to be happy with you either. But at the end of the day, you have to just try to do right by them whenever you can, and. Um, it's really rewarding to manage people to see them succeed is what is the best part. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and I'm glad you're harp, like harping on the relationship side, because I think with, you know, with money, personal finance, people think relationships, they think of their spouse or, you know, their significant other. But, you know, if you're talking career, yeah, your relationship with your boss and your, and your team is the most important relationship, you know, that's going to help you out there. Do you talk with your employees about money? I mean, this is something, so I, I manage a, a pretty big team too. Um, and one of the things I'm always, you know, any any moment I can, uh, you know, to answer a finance question, I, I kind of jump on it just to, you know, obviously make sure everyone's contributing to their retirement accounts. Do you do you get into those kind of conversations at all with with your uh, your employees? I did. I'm I'm not in a managing position anymore. I the new job. I'm an individual contributor. But when I was a manager for about two and a half years, I did do that. Um, it, it depends. You have a. I had a wide range of team um, team members in terms of age groups. So often 
some of the younger team members would ask me questions like if they were hired right out of school for example they didn't know how to set up their 401k or their health insurance so I'd be careful not to say like oh yeah you should set it up this way um, but I would uh, maybe make suggestions like you know now that you're just coming out of school you don't have a high expectation of your paycheck maybe you should raise your contribution really high and you can always um, bring that back down as you get older but then hopefully they get used to keeping of what their paycheck is and they'll do better um, and also I would talk to them about my life and they knew that I was kind of nerdy about this type of stuff um, so I passed along a few blog names like Mr. Money Mustache or Mad Scientist that I read right frequently and they got into it too so tell us a little bit about some of your your own your own money goals uh, now that you're on this fast track, uh, escalated the salary 600%, um, saving a ton of money. I loved your wedding post, by the way. Uh, su- super fun. Um, tell us a little bit about some of your, uh, your own money goals. Sure. So uh, my husband and I, we want to be early retired by our early 30s. And... Um, my money goals have changed a little bit because I used to be a crazy career woman. I wanted to be the CEO of my own company and I wanted to be extremely wealthy. But since learning more about the FIRE movement, I started to realize that I, I don't need all of that to be happy. And my goals, and especially my money goals, have kind of lowered a little bit in terms of what I think we would need to be comfortable. And my career aspirations have changed as well. Um, So once I start getting really into blogging and learning more about side hustles, that's sort of what excites me. Uh, As much as I write a lot of my blog about career hacking and I've been so successful at figuring that out for myself, I don't, I don't, it doesn't drive me as much anymore. Did you find that um, you and your husband aligned for the goal at the end of the day or was there any disagreements along the road? He wants to work his entire life because he has one of those amazing jobs that people are jealous of, um, but it's, it's not super lucrative. So we, we actually met at the Olympic Training Center, and he, he was working there as well um, in strength and conditioning. So he works with elite athletes, and he loves his job. Wow. So he never wants to stop working. So it's, real, it's really me. That, that, I'm the one that uh, wants the you know, freedom and the, the time to stop working. I think that's a that's a huge realization. I think it's an amazing point. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of us feel that way. Myself too. When you know you're, you're kind of so driven, you're so heads down, um, and then you kind of ha- you have some success and you hit that next level on your career ladder, and all of a sudden you're kind of looking down and you're like, you know, hey, it's it's a little bit different up here than I thought it was going to be. Um, and then you know maybe maybe I should start spending my time you know, thinking about some other things. So, I mean, that's super, super inspiring um, just to hear that you were kind of driven. I think a lot of people in their lives just are so driven, it just distracts them, right? They just, they drive, 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 but, but you know, don't stop and answer those those big questions. So it's, it's, uh, it's nice to hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to follow up because, um, you know, along the lines of driven, I think, um, what I've noticed for my friends is the ones who are more driven, they're the ones going in asking for the pay raise. And then on the opposite side, what I've seen is people who don't ask, they're kind of like, oh, well, I'm kind of scared that my boss might think negatively negatively of me or, you know, I'm, I'm afraid they're going to say no. So, you know, in that sort of scenario, what would you recommend for someone who's like, you know, I think I should get paid more, but I'm a little scared. You know, any, any tips or recommendations for that type of scenario? Definitely. So I think... Try to figure out if you're in the situation 
where the, the job that you're currently in now pays the amount that you want to be paid. Because for a long time in my career, and I've, I saw it with the people that I manage, um, they would walk in and say, well, I want to be paid $20,000 more, and that role just doesn't pay $20,000 more. So make sure that what you actually want is realistic for the role. And if it's not, then go after the role that will pay that amount. And, you know, whether it's, you know, you got to learn technical skills or you got to move to a different team or you got to do something else, um, try to try to follow the money in that aspect versus being unrealistic with your expectations in your current role. But um, totally, when you're negotiating your salary, go for it, especially if you already have a job. I think I've found such great success because I wasn't afraid to ask for more. And I actually lost the salary negotiation one time. I pushed too hard and they were like, you know what? We can't meet your compensation requirements. Um, we're sorry. And after that happened, I was like, oh, God. But at least I learned my boundaries. And the job that I'm currently at, I pushed really hard too. And then they ended up accepting me. So if I hadn't done that, I yeah, wouldn't have gotten the role that I'm at today. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like I think a, a key theme here. Maybe you can talk a little bit about it. Is um, just constant sort of skills development, right? You were able to recognize that you needed some technical skills, and then that set you on a path to what sounds like just continuous sort of improvement and learning. And I think that's ultimately what opens up opportunities. I'd love to hear. You know, are you are you still you know, pursuing those, those additional learning opportunities, even though you've kind of reset your own career expectations? So I finished my degree and I am now interviewing for new opportunities using that degree. But at the same time, I learned about this world of making money online and I've been trying to dabble a little bit in that. So I'm selling, I, I just got my first physical product and I'm selling on Etsy. Awesome. I'm doing affiliate marketing on my blog um, and we have a rental property because we weren't able to sell our house when we moved here. So I, those are my hobbies, I would say. Like, I, I really enjoy doing that type of stuff. And it, right now, I can't walk away from my career and still be on the path to fire as quickly as I am. But if I could figure out how to be wildly successful in those areas, I would feel comfortable stepping away from my the, the career that I've built. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called hustling. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. That's awesome. So, so what's uh, what? What are you learning blogging? I mean, it's it's been great to see you know your audience growing. Um, just just what w- what are you learning? I think the biggest thing I was learning is you can put things out there, and no, if no one knows about you, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, I've been using social media, especially Pinterest, to try to drive more traffic to the site, and um, playing around a little bit with Facebook ads. So that, that's something that I've picked up a little bit in the blogging aspect. And then making community and making relationships. So um, we had talked before we started recording about my friend Gwen at Fiery Millennials. Uh, we reached out and we Skyped with each other. And now, you know, I've made a great friend through the blog. So it's been super rewarding. And, and that's another way that you grow. And didn't you go, didn't you go to Chautauqua? Is that where you met her? So we both, we both went to the Chautauqua. And that is a fire blogger sort of jungle meetup in Ecuador um, but it's super fun and we just hung out and had a good time the whole time but we went different weeks so we Skyped and then we oh, stayed together okay. on a houseboat for the FinCon event so how, how often do you talk about money compared to you know any other topic <laughs> during that kind of week um okay so the Chautauqua week you think you would talk about money the whole time and the first day 
people are kind of like, so what about your Roth IRA? And you're like, oh God, what did I just sign up for? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> but then by the second day, the wine comes out and everyone's just having a good time and laughing. And uh, it's, it's, about, it's about finding community. So I'd say, you know, people ask me, oh, should I go to the Chautauqua to learn about money? What, what, tell me exactly what specific monetary ROI you got from it. And it's not about that. It's about finding people that enjoy the same things you do and find happiness in their life in whatever way they do. Yeah, and that's that's actually one of the main reasons I recommend people, you know, start up a blog, but the, you know, getting your message out there, I think that helps. And then, yeah, you're able to meet new people. I mean, Grant and I are an example and, you know, Gwen for you, but it's just, you know, finding community helps with money goals and with everything else. It's been great. Yeah, tell us, yeah, a, it's awesome. tell us a little bit about just the, the FIRE community. I, I feel like you wrote the unofficial sort of history of fire, uh, on your blog. I was like, man, this is so fascinating. Um, you know, tell, tell for someone who doesn't know what fire is, who's listening, uh, Matt and I, we've, we've got a lot of new visitors who aren't as familiar. We, we'd love to t- tell us a little bit about what, what is fire. Sure. Okay. So fire stands for financial independence, retire early. And the idea of fire is that you save crap ton of money and it allows you to pursue whatever lifestyle you want now most people really focus on the retire early part and that's super exciting but if you're someone like me who gets bored easily and likes to dabble in a bunch of different things that may not happen for you so it's more about like the creating the dream lifestyle that you've always wanted to live and then having the financial backing to be able to do that it's like the best definition of it. Yeah, ever. that's a great summary of it. Yeah, yeah and like and you. The, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say like people are probably like, oh, that sounds great, but how do I do that? I mean, numbers wise, you need to figure out your annual spend and multiply that by twenty five, and that's a number that you probably should shoot for. But keep in mind, like for me, I used to spend a lot of money on things, and over time, especially when I'm learning more about it, if I can just shave off a little bit of my spending every year. I know that I'll be closer to my fire date. So that's why you see all the frugality going on. Um, and people find they don't need that to be happy. Yeah, I find that some of the people that make the most money actually end up being the most frugal, um, ironically, um, over o- over time. Um, and that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, in a lot of ways, you can't, it's it's probably a lot easier to, to make more money to build wealth than it is to sort of save your way to wealth and that seems like you know kind of a core theme theme of your of your writing as well but at the end of the day you know finding finding that balance so what's what's next for uh for millennial boss so i'm thinking about launching a podcast Gwen and i are scheming up something there and eventually we might i might do a little video but i've been hesitant to do that because i'm still anonymous um just trying to separate myself from my employer. Um, but overall, I mean, I just produce a bunch of content about career hacking, a little bit about my side hustles, a lot about selling stuff on Craigslist. That was one of my crazy things I did last year. But, um, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. What's the uh, craziest thing you've sold on Craigslist? Um, oh, my. I've sold, I sold $4,500 of stuff on Craigslist in two weeks. What? Wow. Because we, we downsized from this big house to a tiny apartment in the Bay Area, and I didn't have time to get rid of all my stuff, so it all just got, like, delivered 
and it didn't fit. So I, my patio was essentially a yard sale for two weeks. My new neighbors were freaked out because I was exchanging cash at all hours of the night with <laughs> random people on Craigslist. Um, but yeah, I've sold mattresses. I've sold like cups and plates and frying pans. It was like everything in your house that if going from a 3,000 square foot house to like a 600 square foot apartment, I don't Whoa. know if it actually is 600 wow. square foot. It feels like it. But yeah, it was, I sold everything. How did it feel once everything was gone? Oh, it feels awesome. And like the initial rush, of, oh my God, like people are going to buy my random crap. What is wrong with them? Like, why would you, but I guess like students who just moved to the area or um, sometimes like families or something, they'll come and that's their Sunday activity. They just go and they check out yard sales. So you can get tons of money for your stuff. I'll say, yeah, it sounds like me about a year ago, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Selling or buying? Uh, buying, just yeah, oh, furnishing okay. a place. <laughs> yeah. I don't get those people who buy the mattresses, though. I sold a mattress oh, yeah. on Craigslist one time <laughs> and probably had like eight people show up on a Saturday. And, you know, you see all walks of life shopping for mattresses on Craigslist. <laughs> right? Right? The one guy who bought one of our mattresses, he had family coming in from the uk just for the week so he bought like the mattress the pillow the bedspread he bought everything it was great for me just to like get it all out there but um i was like oh it's poor family member what if like you know who buys a used mattress on craigslist i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what we need to title this episode <laughs> the post right there used mattress. <laughs> what buying a used mattress says about you yeah, um, exactly. Well, thank you, Julie. This was a lot of fun. We appreciate uh, all the awesome career tips, career hacks, FI knowledge. Um, love what you're doing on the blog. Let's definitely stay in touch. We really appreciate uh, having you on the yeah, podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Millennial Money Minutes. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe. If you want us to cover a specific topic, use hashtag Millennial Money on Twitter or visit MillennialMoneyMinutes.com.